listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Digital therapeutics, known as DTX, are evidence-based therapeutic interventions driven by software to prevent, manage, or treat a medication disorder or disease. Pharmacists play a critical role in the adoption of digital therapeutics, and this series will provide the latest on the innovations in pharmacy care. Hey, not sure if you've heard through Yahoo Finance, I think this just came out um, just this week, I think it was posted June 21st, the global digital therapeutic market is projected to reach 42 billion, that's a B, 42 billion by 2030. And that growth in digital therapeutics is mainly attributed to the rising adoption of digital health, increasing the focuses on preventative health care, growing prevalence of chronic diseases, and the rising penetration of smart technologies, such as artificial intelligence and wearables. Reason why I'm here today, and I'm thrilled about this interview, so if you can't hear how excited I am, um, you'll hear it throughout this interview, is digital therapeutics and digital health and pharmacists is one of the most fun topics I love bringing people on and leaders that that are talking about this. And if you haven't already heard the interview with Shaheen uh, Lacan, um, he's a physician, a chief medical officer at Click Therapeutics. Uh, we'll have links in our show notes to take you to that interview. But today we have uh, the the chief um, of all of this uh, in in Click. Uh, therapeutics, the CEO, the one and only David Klein that's with me today talking about click therapeutics and how important digital therapeutics are going to be for our future. David, I am thrilled to have you here. Thank you, Todd. And 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 thanks to the to the pharmacy podcast network for hosting me. Um, to be frank, Shaheen's a tough act to follow, but I will uh, try my best. So yeah, I think you're going to do just fine. Like I said, I've been um, internet stalking you through LinkedIn and through Google, and I just find um, you fascinating and what Click's doing. And to me, uh, my heroes are pharmacists and how they leverage technology and how I see pharmacogenomics and nutrigenomics and testing and point of care testing and what's what's taking place. And and this falls into that um, into that tool bag for them so that they understand when it fits a disease state to interject, interject and encourage the use of technology to uh, manage disease states and conditions, it's a win-win. Um, and, and the physicians love the data that's coming back from the usage of this. But before I get into the, the meat of today's interview about click therapeutics, I want to hear about you, David. Uh, tell us about yourself and how your personal and professional journey uh, led you to click. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for thanks for asking that. I mean, I would say it's been you know certainly a certainly a a long journey, and really it goes back some you know ten plus years almost where uh, I was actually at the time working in in biotech, really in in kind of biotech company formation, uh, investing, operating, uh, business development, and recruiting all within the biotech industry. Um, and the biotech investment industry more specifically. And uh, at that time, I really saw this kind of massive rise in the mobile phone and how really, you know, years ago, 
not everyone had these kind of smartphones that could go on the internet and, and kind of do all these things that they can do now. And as I saw this kind of rise of the mobile phone take, um, take root, at the very same time, I saw you know, many different kind of pharma companies were retreating a bit out of the, out of the CNS uh, space, the you know, outcomes, it, especially when you're, when you're trialing things in that area, uh, are kind of notoriously more, more subjective, right? It's not like a you know, cancer trial where you, um, you know, either shrink the tumor or you don't and so on and so forth. And, but at that same time, I saw that, look, this mobile phone is clearly uh, changing people's behavior and, and, and I believed really, you know, leading to the, to the rewiring of some people's brains and, you know, kind of put two and two together. I was working with the fellow who at the time was a head of clinical neuropsychiatry from Cornell. And we thought, look, if we could, you know, harness the power of this phone to direct uh, that cognitive and behavioral change towards diseases, we could use software to really drive um, very meaningful clinical and 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 ultimately uh, economic outcomes. So um, we formed a, uh, a a company called Click Therapeutics and created a a term called Digital Therapeutics. Um, and really just got to work, kind of formed this biotech-like model around that thesis uh, and started uh, building our first programs. Well, congratulations on the the success so far. It is not easy. I've been an entrepreneur uh, myself for 14 years, and I, I literally feel like I'm just getting started where the layering and layering of the network and the people and the and the product and everything that you put in place, I feel like it's just getting ready to to finally get going and and it's it's not a, a road that many can can travel it's it's difficult and i think of moments in my life that that really um was a crossroads and i know that our our healthcare system is at that crossroads pharmacy the pharmacy profession is at a crossroads we're having pharmacists transform from reactive to proactive and becoming much more collaborative with physicians and the technologies at their fingertips that are ready for them. And some of our pharmacists are, are grasping at it and are ready. Others, just based on people's personalities, uh, they're, they're playing catch up. But I want to come back to you for, for a minute and, and just think of a particular moment or an experience that solidified your personal path, your personal crossroads um, to get into prescription uh, digital therapeutics. Yeah, look, I mean that's a that's an interesting question. I, I I you know almost say it was a it was a collection of moments, and maybe I'll I'll kind of harp on a couple of them. Um, it was really you know once we had this idea that look we can kind of prove out that these software can drive clinical outcomes. Um, we we you know it took us a couple of years, but built our first um, uh, early programs, and then started to to generate clinical data. And, and I think it was really, you know, based on the early clinical data that we generated uh, years ago, maybe eight years ago, that I started to really think, wow, uh, this is very real. And I had kind of known it was real. There were early data on computer programs helping people. And, you know, frankly, some of this, um, and part of the reason why I got into digital therapeutics really is, some of it's pretty de-risked because you already know that these enter that, that, that these interventions uh, will help people. It's just a matter of 
engaging them and, and getting them to use and do the intervention. Um, but it's not until you see really, or at least for me, till I saw that my that our technology was really helping to treat people's diseases, uh, that it became very, very real. The you know impact that we were having on people's lives were very clear, and the clinical outcomes were quite compelling. Uh, and it's really that moment, I'd say maybe eight, eight years ago, uh, that this really solidified kind of my mindset and the pathway uh, in kind of seeing firsthand how you know we could develop software uh, that can be a, a, a tremendous impact on people's lives. I'm sure you hear in my voice uh, how excited I get around the fusion of tech and pharmacists and how it's going to help uh, pharmacists to dig deeper into uh, clinical conditions, um, disease states, uh, rare diseases, especially in specialty pharmacy. So let's talk about prescription digital therapeutics and let's kind of give examples to our listeners. What disease states, what conditions do uh, best fit or or I don't want to say lowest hanging fruit, but where where are we seeing um, most success in the in the leverage and the usage of uh, of digital therapeutics? Yeah, that's a that that's a great question. I mean, I would say um, that that we're seeing that we're seeing these these programs be leveraged in um, you know a a great deal of 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 different ways, and that's not to say that. It, the industry is advanced or embedded in the medical system yet, or really anything like that. I mean, I, I'd say, you, you know, if we're in the first inning here, Todd, we're in the in the top half of it. It, it really just begun. And um, we are just now starting to see extremely robust randomized controlled trials that are driving, I mean, dare I say, kind of drug-like outcomes, um, but with no um you know no no real safety issues so so i think that that there's a ways to go before you know we can start to really point to you know very meaningful uh uh changes within our medical system that are at scale uh if that if that makes sense but we're but but we are starting to see that um at, at least see the stage set for that so uh, you know you've been in it long enough to understand where we're going and what we want, which is the data, the outcomes of progressional therapies or titration. Um, I'm thinking of um, opioid use uh, disorder. I'm thinking of mental health. Uh, I'm thinking of lung diseases that leverage the, um, the smart um, inhalers and the data that's going to come from that. So have you witnessed firsthand the positive impact prescription digital therapeutics um, have um, on people's lives? Yeah, you know, we get I we I've 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 been you know fortunate enough to really witness it firsthand in in a big way, and you know more and more as time goes on, um, and you know we've seen and and received um, you know all kinds of direct. Uh, feedback on our programs, and you know, people um, will be um, amazingly thankful that you know one of our programs, let's say, helped and changed their lives. And 
And and that's really moving. I mean, there's you know nothing more moving than to think, well, you know, this person, uh, you know, person X would be in a in an entirely different place in their life um, from a health perspective than if not uh, for, for us. And um, and for you know other folks developing these types of interventions. So you know certainly have witnessed that firsthand. Um, and I think what you're also starting to see here really are these are these programs ability to to kind of bridge such a meaningful access gap. And um, you know, whereas people might not have terrific access to you know psychotherapists or psychiatrists or whoever it may be, um, a you know digital therapy can essentially reach you know anywhere in the world. I mean, and if you talk about the U.S., from your most rural area uh, to the to the innermost parts of cities, these programs can you know easily reach the folks. And on top of that, you know, so many of these disorders, and, and some of them you mentioned there, um, can be you know dare I say kind of stigmatized within a community, right? Where you know people don't necessarily want to talk about um, or admit or go seek help or you know, some types of disorders or, or some people for any disorder uh, or disease, but at the same time, uh, digital therapeutics really, uh, really, the, you know, the, a, a very significant part of the promise here are that somebody could potentially, you know, be able to access these programs, um, you know, ultimately in the, in the comfort of their own homes and, and, and privately, should they, should they so choose, you know, to, to do that, so. David, I want you to dig in for a second for listeners and provide an overview on what Click does today um, so that they can get a visualization as they're driving or jogging or wherever they're consuming their podcast to get a better idea of, of what Click uh, Therapeutics does. Yeah, so that's a, so that's a great question. I'll try to sum it up um, you, you know, as, as kind of high level as possible and, and to give someone you know, that doesn't necessarily understand this, you know, this industry too well, what we're doing. I mean, at the highest level, we're developing something that we call prescription digital therapeutics. So these are really um, apps that are proven in randomized controlled trials to treat disease. And we're seeking clearance from FDA and, and, and then international regulatory bodies uh, to really ultimately make those claims. So similar to like, a drug, um, you, you know, uh, a, a, a drug vial might say, or a drug jar, a pill bottle, um, you know, might have a label. These programs will ultimately have labels as well. Um, that you know, this program is, you know, indicated to let's say lower blood pressure in adults or whatever that might be, um, and. It's 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 revolutionary, and I, I mean, why I think and, and why I'm grateful, Todd, that you're doing this this interview and kind of really focused on this topic um, for your pharmacy network is because this is unlike other categories of medicine in the past that have been meaningful, and you know, from cell therapy or gene therapy, um, digital therapeutics, and in particular, prescription digital therapeutics. Are really poised to to enter into the standard of care of kind of everyday medicine, right? So these programs 
uh, are likely to be prescribed um, by by physicians and and, and by doctors uh, for for such a wide variety of different diseases that would within the next five years, people I know, people you know, friends, family members, they'll go into a physician's office, and that doctor will say, or or they'll you know consult a physician, right? And that physician will say, hey, um, you know, you have high blood pressure, and you know, why don't you try this medication, but also use this digital program. It's a you know eight week FDA cleared program. It's been it's been helping a lot of my other patients. Um, you know, frankly, sometimes they can even taper down or grow off their medications if they're successful on the program. And that's where this is headed. So it's a, so it's a very important question uh, because unlike other you know, new uh, uh, forms of medicine, these are really on the cusp of entering into standard of care in a much more significant way in, in terms of touching all the lives um, of, of kind of people we know. It's not really a narrow focus. These programs are, are being proven and will be proven uh, to affect change and, and drive a positive clinical outcomes in you know, almost every, all, almost all of the most common diseases and disorders. So CLIC takes a very science-led kind of biotechnology approach, if you will, um, to these programs, except that our biochemistry um, are, is essentially technology and, and a digital, and our products are, are, are evidence-based mobile apps, although we're classified as, as medical devices. Um, and we're really looking to create value where you know, pharmacotherapy alone um, might not be enough. And, and where we do that is either by working independently or in conjunction with pharmacotherapy. So um, that would depend on the therapeutic out, uh, uh, area. Um, but you know, sometimes these programs could be prescribed independently for disease, sometimes in, in combination with a, with the pharmacotherapy, um, but all with the with the end purpose of of driving um, uh, better clinical outcomes. And you know, at at the end of the day, I mean, what we're really looking to do is to expand the possibilities of medicine by developing and validating these apps as actual treatments, right? So, you know, people really embracing the space is, hey, this app is medicine, as opposed to the, the kind of broader field of digital health or, you know, wellness apps that, you know, may not either have or frankly be able to generate that level of, um, of, of clinical evidence where it's rigorous and, you know, really as rigorous as you'd see drugs um, be validated. So we're progressing a broad pipeline of these different uh, prescription digital therapeutics uh, um, and really, you know, in different stages of proving that they work in randomized controlled trials. Um, and to get this done and, and kind of how we do it is really a team of of uh, clinicians, neuroscientists, researchers, designers, engineers, um, really all the all the components of a technology company kind of merged with all the components of a biotech company, um, and we're all working together on this on this common mission, and that's to really um, treat disease using apps and to prove that these are efficacious treatments. So, 
um, you know, that's a that's a long answer. I could go on and on, but um, that's that's the high level. No, I I appreciate that, and I see things from different perspectives that try to balance how a therapy was kicked off and started through the prescription, through the prescribing, the diagnosis, our physician, the quarterback, and then the pitch of the treatment out to the wide receiver, pharmacist, or nurse practitioner, someone to follow up with the treatment. And so when we when we think of the pressures on our physicians that um, they only have so much time to see their patients, we know that pharmacists are seeing their uh, those same patients nine times more a year than what the primary care is physician what physicians are seeing immediately i think of technology as a go between to assure that therapies stay on track in a recent article through cio.com it was titled transforming heart care with evidence based digital therapeutics and there's an excerpt inside here that talks about a study from JAMA studies that state close to 50 to 60% of patients after nine months stopped adhering to their medication protocol. And they uh, need uh, what, what they're calling life care managers and relationship builders that these patients have to trust in order to keep driving adherence and keep them on uh, medication protocol, whether that's medication adherence or some kind of rehabilitation and when I think of technology, David, I know you're thinking the same way. There needs to be a divide with a bridge in the divide between our prescribers and then the clinicians and people that are carrying the treatments through to make sure that we're not bottlenecking care for patients. And I think that's one of the key barriers to. Um, getting uh, per prescriptions out that are digital therapeutics. And that's what I want to hear from your perspective, because you're in this every day. What do you think the key barriers are and some of the challenges that you face as CEO of Click Therapeutics um, in moving forward and, and getting, getting this much more adopted, uh, getting it much more prescribed, especially when it aligns with the, with the right condition or disease state? What are your thoughts around that? Yes, and, and on another good good question. Thanks, thanks for asking that. I mean, I I think, you know, ultimately, as I said, you're 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 really just starting to see a, a kind of I, I'd call it almost a, you know, new category of this space, and and call it prescription digital therapeutics 2.0 that are really testing the the apps that they develop in you know bona fide robust randomized controlled trials against, let's say, shams, kind of our version of a placebo almost, right? And um, you're just starting to see these levels of evidence uh, be, be published that, that really are priming the market for potential broad acceptance of prescription digital therapeutics. So it's, it's still a real you know, novel, idea i mean the kind of primary barrier i'd say for now or, or really lies in the awareness of this space right and some of the confusion possibly around this space and you know what's digital health and what's digital therapeutics and what's prescription digital therapeutics um 
And ultimately, uh, I think that you'll see real separation as as some of these programs, and they're far and few between, but they exist, and they're and they're and they're um, and there's becoming more and more of them. As some of them prove real drug-like outcomes, uh, but with no safety issues in real randomized controlled trials um, that are kind of you know very hard to um, to dispute, you'll see that adoption come much more naturally. Where uh, there will be a real clamor for this. Hey, I'd rather be on this program. It has the same potential effect as you know something that could potentially give me you know massive side effects, whether that be you know weight gain or or you know high blood pressure or high blood sugar, whatever that might be, right? So I I say that the you know some of the barrier. Um, is that really in the in the kind of first wave of these programs, you've seen you know a pretty kind of limited set of evidence generation uh, where you know companies have kind of come forward and and thought, well, you, you know some narrow FDA clearance could be enough, let's say, to, to to commercialize this program and to and to make it successful. But ultimately, I, I think that the stakeholders and the you know the pharmacists, the providers, the payers, I don't think that they're going to lower their bar for digital. I, I I I think that that the biggest barrier is that they really haven't seen programs move forward yet that have that that live up to that same high bar of other medicine that they're prescribing or dispensing and. That's what we're on the cusp of doing as an industry here, and that the market is primed to kind of see that through. So I think once you start to see, you know, more of these programs, really with these robust evidence sets, uh, it'll be a much more natural um, flow. So you know what you're seeing in in the market now isn't really as much of a barrier of oh well it's digital so we don't know and so on. It's much more of a barrier in clinical evidence. Well, this thing really hasn't been through a, an actual randomized controlled trial, right? Or this has been through an unblinded study, right? Or you know some of these kind of things. And people often confuse that with, oh, digital is you know hard to uh, proliferate, but it's really any medicine with you know limited evidence to support its efficacy is always going to be. Um, you know, a kind of difficult uh, 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 road to go down. David, when I was uh, getting our interview set up, when I was uh, reading through some of the information that I was searching for specifically on the adoption of, of digital therapeutics specific to a condition, and then how that data is being shared with uh, electronic health records and follow-up therapy, pharmacist, physician teams, I immediately thought of the same kind of trail for payers, uh, prescribers, um, follow-up therapists, pharmacists in the adoption of pharmacogenomics and how the study of, hey, how's the medication affecting you based on your DNA and your breakdown of that medication versus someone else. And then there's so much more that goes into it than that. But it almost brings me back to our conversation today and thinking, well, 
how do we get this paid for? Because pharmacogenomics went through that same thing. I remember 2015 was doing a special project through UPMC Enterprises here in Pittsburgh around uh, finding um, meaningful, repeatable, proven metrics through uh, ICD-9 codes at the time. Now, of course, it's ICD-10 um, of how to get billers and payers to pay for PGX tests. So I'm thinking, well, in your world, CEO of Click Therapeutics, uh, let's talk about the concerns that you have for reimbursement and then the adoption of digital therapeutics um, more fluidly, per se. Um, so what are your concerns with, with reimbursement? Yeah, and and an, another good question. I I mean, I I do have some I, I'd say real concerns about reimbursement, but not really from the practical perspective that you might think. My concerns are more around the perception of reimbursement. And you know, I I would remember that that you know here here in the U.S. especially. I mean, you know, ultimately. For better or worse, the you know payers are businesses, right? And companies like ours and manufacturers and developers of these programs are really, in, in my view, obligated to prove you know not just kind of health and and clinical utility, but also um, health economic value. And you have to remember that the first kind of we 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 call them kind of PDT 1.0s, right? The first wave of these programs that have moved forward, um, it's not like they had a compelling, in general, health economic story, right? They're not going to payers and saying, "Hey, look, we've proven that not only is this program validated in a randomized controlled trial or a series of randomized controlled trials." Um, but we're also saving, you know, on average per patient, you know, $10,000 a year or $50,000 a year and, and kind of conclusively putting that forward. And I do have a, a tremendous amount of faith uh, in the reimbursement system. Um, and frankly, you, you, you know, uh, and I, I, I don't know if this is the best way to say it, but faith in, you know, a there's one of the great aspects of capitalism here is that um, it's an efficient market. And if you're going to a payer, provider, patient, you're saying, hey, look, here's concrete proof that, you know, every time this program is prescribed, it'll save your organization $20,000. It, you know, a, a year, it, um, it, it allows the physician to prescribe something um, that they haven't been able in the past and, and, and then more effectively treats the disease. And, and for the patient, they can use it in the comfort of their own home and, and without side effects. I have a tremendous amount of faith um, that that paradigm will shift when the evidence is there. It's just, it's almost impossible for it not to be because ultimately, for better or worse, these are businesses, whether you know it's a provider's practice or whether it's a, a payer. Um, but I, I think what we what we've seen is is a real lack of of health economic evidence in the in the proof. And without that evidence, it's gonna be very hard um, to get adoption. So I think we have to, you know, 
hold these programs. If, if you're going to get them in the medical system and expect, you know, pharmacists, for example, to be educating people on them and speaking about them, um, they've just got to have drug-like quality evidence that not only proves their clinical utility, but also the economic value to the system. Um, and that that really is happening. It's on the cusp of happening. There's a you know number of programs out there that are really proving that. And I think we're going to start to see in the coming years a very significant adoption of these programs. And I would like to think, and I and I firmly believe um, that in many respects these are on the cusp of, of of changing the whole world of medicine. So I have uh, always. Um... A, a, a place where I like to get someone like like you, David's uh, opinion on on application and usage and tools. Um, maybe that's the the key word is tool. And I think just as an example, I I love the the discussions around PGX pharmacogenomics and so that tool to assess the uh, titration or no, not the titration, the absorption, the um, the ability to respond to a medication as designed and your DNA might not respond the way that mine does. And so a pharmacist that sees someone coming in with a specific prescription, knowing that it's for, um, you know, some medication that, that 50% of the people aren't able to absorb it as, as planned or break it down. And sure enough, they say, Hey, I should run this test today in today's world. Um, we have to have pharmacists reach out to a physician to get the prescription to run that test. And to me, that's backwards. Because if, if I'm an electrician and I need my screwdriver to do get a, a job done, I need to run this test to make sure that this, this electronic circuit is working as, as, as it's supposed to. And I'm thinking of, of click therapeutics and the technologies almost in the same way where we have, well, let's jettison into the future, five years into the future, smoking sensation, depression, schizophrenia, migraines. We have click therapeutics. They have all the publications out there. Everything's working. But your physician might not be saying, hey, you're having these serious headaches. You're on this medication. I need you to also use this technology platform and this app to really help us gauge what's happening with you. What happens if it's the patient that finally goes back to their trusted pharmacist and they're explaining what they're going through with their migraines, for example, and the pharmacist says, wow, you know what would really work in this instance because of so many of my other patients that have gone through the same thing, you should really be using a, a PDT. You should really be using a prescription digital therapeutic to help us get more data and more follow-up. And, you know, we know the studies. So this is more about pharmacists right now, not to put you on the spot, David, but what should pharmacists know about PDTs at this point? And then where does it in lie that, where do we get pharmacists kind of taking some leads in the, in the leveraging of PDTs versus physicians? And, can they, I guess they could always go back to the physician and say, hey, please write this prescription because I think based on all of my other patients that have had great outcomes from this, we should be using this. But boy, I always wrestle with who leads and when, when we come up for opportunities to leverage uh, PDTs and, and technology 
Um, so what do you think pharmacists should know more about, about uh, prescription digital therapeutics? That, that is a, that is a great question, Todd. And, you know, I, I mean, to your point, right. Um, I think the average person probably sees their pharmacist a lot more than they see their, their physician. Um, and I do think that pharmacists have an important role here, potentially really as to your point, the tip of the spear and you know, in in no small small part due to the fact, and you know, as, as you noted, what can the pharmacists do here? I mean, these are these programs will require you know probably a good deal more, at least on the front end, um, of real kind of um, uh, expertise and counseling how to use it and explaining. You know, you know, I mean, I'll. A pharmacist could go could go pretty far. I mean, in theory, they could download the program with them, right? Um, so there's a there's a and 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 what pharmacists should expect here are that inherently these programs are much more likely to be extremely safe, right? And to have less, let's say, you know, polypharmacy type issues and so on and so forth. And I think that you could see these programs even lead to some of the transition on on that pharmacist role and kind of how they interact with the patient because really on the on the drug side i mean there's there's a relatively limited amount that the pharmacist um you, you know does with explaining you, you know you don't have to explain to someone exactly how to you know swallow the pill right but if a pharmacist became really intricately familiar with these programs i mean not only frankly and you know i know people don't think about this a lot would i think it would make the pharmacist role even more interesting and um, frankly fun, right? They have a tool they can even show and interact with the patient and and you know form a form a stronger bond as they're dispensing it. Um, but the pharmacist could play you know an absolutely key and and massive role here. I mean, just envision you know somebody going into the into the pharmacy's office and you know. That could be an elderly patient that you know might not be as good with apps, right? Envision that pharmacist, you know, di dispensing this essentially, for lack of a better word, with that patient and getting them set up and showing them, look, all you have to do every day, just do your mission. It's that simple. That type of experience, and and if you look at it, the pharmacist could play such a massive role in driving clinical outcomes there because our programs are all about engagement and it's it's about you know not just dispensing a prescription code in these but someone's had to download the program they've got to set up they've got to use it mm -hmm. and i really do think that this could be a moment in the pharmacy profession um that you know could potentially vest the patient and the pharmacist um, much closer together with, you know, directly affecting clinical outcomes. Because if a pharmacist can sit there and, you know, help a tough patient get started, um, we can do the rest of the work here, right? Once they're, once they're in, we can, you know, we, we've been enormously successful at deploying and, and, and utilizing AI even, even before it was cool, Todd, to, you know, drive more and more engagement uh, and really personalize these programs. 
So we're we're very, very successful at engaging that patient once they've enrolled and downloaded. But you know, we're not on every other street corner or you know, talking to the patient or you know, we're just simply we we don't have or and never will have that type of presence. So there's a real alliance here um, that could be much different, frankly, than um, than alliances with pharmacists in the past, where you know a great pharmacist who's engaged, invested here, um, you know, quite simply could result in in better outcomes on average for for these programs when when to spend. So I'm very excited to kind of get closer with the with the pharmacy. Or, or pharmacist community on this. And, and I think that there's a, a very significant um, role added to their already very significant role they play now. Well, I'm a big nerd and sounds like you are too. Uh, you're in, we're in good company with each other, but pharmacists are data nerds. They love nerding out on data. So I could see uh, the, the innovative pharmacists who love leveraging technology, especially for, uh, for conditions that they know it's going to make a lot of sense. It's going to drive adherence. It's going to drive connectivity as well as being able to respond on the fly, whether it's through texting or emails or, or telehealth and in, um, you know, a, a secure zoom meeting of some sort. And I've been thrilled um, to have you here, David, this has been an honor to have uh, click therapeutics participate in, in our series around uh, digital therapeutics this is a CEO question to put you on the spot and um and and we're going to wrap up but um I want to I want to think about your vision as CEO. Um how do you think Click is going to make a lasting impact in the field of of PDTs of our prescription digital therapeutics and improving patient health? Yeah, so I I think Click will um and and it's really on the cusp of making a, a tremendous impact. I, I'd say everything we do is potentially magnified many times over because it's such a fledgling and kind of nascent industry that our successes both clinically and commercially could really spurn and result in you know many, many more of these companies and programs, um, you know, whether it's getting funding or getting partners or, or, or just building an industry kind of around those successes. So I'll focus on what we think we're going to do. But I just did did want to um, remember that, you, you know, in a nascent industry like that, a rising tide kind of lifts all lifts all ships. Right. So 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 that's the exciting time. And frankly, in our in our town halls, I often talk about this, that, you know, these successes are so important because we're helping, you know, form a whole industry around this thesis and and, and around prescription digital therapeutics. I think ultimately where we'll come in is really, um, really helping to treat people with migraine or depression or schizophrenia or um, different cardiometabolic disorders, or even in many cases, uh, cancer patients, and really developing and getting those programs to patients um, for treatments that, uh, or for diseases that you know haven't necessarily been treated all the way or or uh, entirely, we'll say, but before. But and 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 that's because part of our programs work are are really 
we have mechanisms that are designed to really address the, 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 they call it underlying neurological foundation of these programs. And I know Shaheen has talked a lot about that in the past, so I won't get too much into it, um, but real structural and functional changes in the brain, either that have been built up over a lifetime or, 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 or damaged by disease um, that affect the thoughts, sensations, emotions, and behavior of patients living with these conditions um, in a way that defines these disease. So repairing these changes, sometimes in, 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 in conjunction or in tandem with pharmacotherapy, can really maximize the impact, success, and outcome of that patient's treatment. So, I mean, you, you, you're talking about eventually, you know, people with migraine, let's say, um, uh, if we're successful, and I believe that we will be, on average, you will, I believe, have healthier migraine patients than before our digital therapeutic entered that market. Now, that's one side of it, um, but the other exceedingly exciting part, and I touched this before, is really that access component. It's it, it just the fact that there's patients, um, and you know, sadly, often these patients aren't put into these sophisticated financial models that say, oh, well, you know, if you have, you know, 10,000 patients with migraine and then, you know, 3,000 get this medication. So no one's really talking about the, you know, 3,000 or 5,000 migraine patients that aren't getting any treatment at all right. or that, you know, simply don't have access to those treatments. And that's where we can play the biggest role. And it's not just here in America, but and and, and Europe and Asia, but also in, in de developing countries. I mean, these programs really can be anywhere in the world um, in many areas, including even in America, that um, many patients, if not all patients, simply don't have access uh, to real medicine to, to kind of get these treatments. And um, so we're really paving the way for the healthcare system where neuromodulatory treatments like, like clicks prescription programs um, can really reduce suffering on a on a global scale. So I really think and I believe that, as I said earlier, it, unlike other medical or, or revolutions with new forms of medicine like gene therapies and cell therapies, we're talking about potentially hundreds of millions, if not billions of people that can be helped by prescription digital therapeutics. And that's the real transformative moment for us that I think we will get to in the next five to 10 years, where these will be ubiquitous with healthcare. They, they won't even be you know, digital therapeutics, they'll be therapeutics. They'll just be another form of treatment and not really called like digital or an app, it's just how you get treated. And that's why it's so exciting and, and, and why I'm always so happy to kind of share, share what we're doing. This has been wonderful. Uh, David Klein, CEO of Click Therapeutics. I want to thank you for sharing your vision uh, for the for the future I want to be a part of. And I know pharmacists want to be a part of because they're passionate about patient care. They can't stop thinking about it. They go to work. That's what they do is assure that people are, are cared for and uh, technology is, is a part of that. Um, I want to thank you. Hey, throw us in your queue for communications going forward. Uh, we'll work uh, with your comms teams to, to get 
to get you to come back and, and give us an update. And we have to see you at a conference that you're upcoming um, you know, later this year. Hopefully we'll be able to meet up in, in person and, and get some pictures and talk more about um, uh, Click Therapeutics in the future. If you're a listener, pharmacist, uh, pharmacy technician, uh, someone in the business of pharmacy, take a look at clicktherapeutics.com. Once again, that's clicktherapeutics.com. David, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you again, Todd, for having me and uh, have a good day.